Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, big steps forward for Baltimore's digital services team. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Katie Savage will take the helm as the new Chief Information Officer of Maryland. Governor Wes Moore named Savage to lead the state's Department of Information Technology. She was previously the Director of the Defense Digital Service at the Pentagon. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is proposing a $35 million increase in the state's cybersecurity spending. The money would be used to protect critical infrastructure assets and would build upon the state's Joint Security Operations Center in Brooklyn. The funding request must be passed by the state legislature in order to go into effect. Sean Naylor is now officially Vermont's CIO. Naylor, who was previously the state's Deputy Secretary of Digital Services, stepped up into the role after serving in an interim capacity since previous CIO John Quinn left his post in September. Now, as CIO, Naylor will be charged with leading the state's modernization efforts. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Baltimore is expanding on its effort of digital services growth. The city announced the creation of a digital services team in September. That team sits within the city's office of the chief data officer, Justin Elsaz. Shelby Switzer joined the office last week as the director of digital services. They'll work with Elsaz on an ambitious agenda of digital transformation for the city. Elsaz tells Statescoop's Benjamin Freed about what's next now that Switzer's on board. I'm really excited to bring to be bringing uh, Shelby Switzer um, to be our, our uh, director of digital services. Um, Shelby has been heavily involved in digital service development at the federal level. So um, they, they spent time with the U.S. Digital Service developing um, digital products and services for um, the CDC, um, Medicaid, and Medicare. Um, over the last year, they've been a, a fellow at the Beck Center um, at Georgetown University, which is all about government digital services. Yeah, we know well. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's it's hard. And, and Shelby lives here in the city. It, it's it'd be hard for me to imagine a more ideal candidate mm-hmm. um, to, to be leading this team. So I'm, I'm, they, they just bring the, the exact right experience that, that we're looking for. Um, you know, they consider themselves a um, you know a community organizer and, and kind of facilitator as well, which you know, and technology is, is it's increasingly being seen as an integral component of technology is getting it right with the community and having their voice heard um, and and um, designing things with them. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I can't imagine a, a more ideal candidate, to, uh, a person to be leading this team. So what are some of the... Uh... Are there any services in particular that that uh, you're, you're hoping uh, uh, Shelby will be able to, to really improve? Yeah, um, we've kind of got a, a menu going here internally. Um, we're it, it's the kind of thing where we, we want our executive team and the mayor to also kind of weigh in on and, and commit to because you know this team has a certain uh, uh, length of, of funding because it's funded with ARPA funds. Right. We need it to be something that will move quickly and that executive leadership is bought into to the degree that they'll be able to, to, to knock out some roadblocks if they come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that said, we haven't we haven't committed to anything because we, we need to one get the team here to make sure that the team, you know, um, um, feels like it's something that they they own and and 
will be able to accomplish uh, with the skill sets that they bring. Um, but that also, you know, we can get the executive team to, to, to weigh in and, and, you know, really get behind it. Um, some of the blue, I would say these are kind of like blue sky concepts at this point yeah. that were, that were are just around as examples of what we would love to build. Um, on a larger scale, um, a multi-benefits application would be terrific. So instead of um, residents needing to apply for benefits and services, you know, each one that they need by, you know, filling out a PDF here or going in person over there, um, that we would have kind of a unified application that brings together multiple services. So they submit that application and we come back and say, yes, you've qualified for these seven programs. Um, again, that's kind of like a blue sky dream yeah. um, in, in terms of what digital services can deliver, because if it's just about making any individual, you know, taking a form and putting it online, you're missing the opportunity to see the wider context of, of government service and how residents access services. In, in your capacity as, as the chief data officer, uh, what's going to be the relationship between the, the way the city manages data and how these digital services get built up? I think this a, a digital service team kind of approach um, offers up opportunity to, to really um, uh, marry our data governance and policy and, and data use and analytics with the data that's being collected. Um, we, th this is, it really strikes, you know, so many people talk about leveraging data and, and data being the new oil or, or um, you know, data being an asset to, to a city. Um, it's, you can only go so far when, you know, an IT or, or a, um, you know, a platform or, or, or you know, um, a website is rolled out that only addresses one service or, or only addresses kind of the need in the moment. Um, because then you're wrestling with data that is effectively a byproduct and you're having to squeeze that round peg of data into a square hole, which is like your policy question or the analysis that you want to do. So being able to tightly weave data governance analytics to the actual platforms and, and, um, the, the, the way residents interact with government is just going to lead to higher quality data, better questions. We can ask deeper questions, richer questions about, about the services that we're, that we're delivering and their impact. So I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity. I think it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's kind of an ideal integration of, of these various functions. You mentioned uh, you know, benefit signups earlier, uh, uh, but also just on the on the topic of you know answering those questions. Are there any questions? Are there any of those questions in particular you're hoping this work can answer? I, I think we kind of have in mind this multi-benefits application as as you know one potential project, but there are plenty of other things that we could be tackling. Something like um, our, our special permitting. Uh, special events permits with with Department of Transportation, where you know that that is like a smaller, more discrete project. Um, but but I'm lucky in the sense that being in a in the mayor's office, I kind of get to weigh in on all of these different either policy or areas or domains um, or different operations that affect city residents. But the the deep questions that we want answer with with better data 
need to come from the people that are closest to those operations. So the people in the agencies that have been there for a long time and, you know, know their services and, and really well, we want the, we want the questions to come from them. And that's why, again, I come back to designing these things with people instead of taking the approach of designing for them. You kind of hear that phrase a lot in, in the design world, designing with as opposed to designing for. Um, so it's not just designing with the residents, but it's also designing with our agencies to make sure that what we're designing benefits them and that they're able to make better decisions on, on the data we get out of them, or they're able to streamline their backend workflow and make their employees' lives um, um, easier. So again, it, it just gets back to this n nice, tight integration of all these things that, um, you know, we, we there are a lot of opportunities um, that, that pop up. So you've been the data officer, officer for almost two years now um, in your, wow. but what's the journey been like uh, thus far? Um, it's been one really humbling. Um, I, you know, I've always tried to take the position of, of deference to our, oper you know, our operations and our agencies because they are the, the experts in what they are doing. And so, you know, granted, I'm, I'm kind of an office of one still at the moment. Um, it's been really tough to say no to things because, you know, I'm, I'm so interested in, in so many of the areas. And that's part of the appeal to this position to me is, is being able to help strategize and figure out how data might help address different issues in the city. Um, so I still am motivated by that challenge. Like I said, that, that presents challenges in saying no and making sure we have the bandwidth to accomplish some of this. Um, but yeah, all in all, I mean, I think every day, I think we inch forward in terms of our data capacity and our understanding of how to use it better. Um, we, we have a long way to go. I mean, you know, we have data quality issues that we still need to address. We still don't have the capacity to really take the next step with our open data program, for instance. Um, we, we, we want to and we've committed to it. We just need to figure out more bandwidth and more capacity to make some of these things, these things happen. But yeah, my, I think the overall strategy, the goals we have, the things I'm interested in, all, all remain the same and I'm still just as motivated as I was about, I can't believe it's been almost two years now. Yeah. Unlike some other city data officers uh, who answer to their local IT departments, you're working you're working out of the mayor's office. Do you feel like you that affords you a bit more flexibility or leeway to, to get those some of those things done? That exact topic has been the topic of research um, by, uh, you, you might have heard of Jane Wiseman, she's at Harvard. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so she she read a whole, she wrote a whole paper about exactly this topic, and it is mixed, right? That there are some CDOs that yes are part of IT and they're CIO, um, and then there are some CDOs that are in an executive office. Um, I think I think it's entirely context dependent on what's going to work. I can see how it's benefited the city in that, and and this isn't. This is more structural than it. it's not about me personally and being effective or anything like that. But it, it puts data um, on the map and keeps it um, in, in the line of sight for for an administration and for the executive team. That having me in the and the mayor's cabinet alongside the CIO, um, you know, like I said, 
you you run the risk a lot of times um, when these things are are um, you know pursued as treating only being able to capitalize on data and so far as their exhaust from an IT system really leaves a lot on the table. And so making sure data has kind of an equal seat at the table, I think at least has, has raised the profile. Um, it's, it's certainly one of Mayor Scott's strengths, I think, in his leadership is the ability to look at, at data and integrate it into his decision making. So I think it's, I think it was structurally the right move for Baltimore. That's not to say it will always be the right move. That's not to say it's the right for for every jurisdiction, but I, I think it's been the right one. Um, of course, I'm a little biased, but I think it's been the right one for, for Baltimore. You know, in, in those two years, though, um, you know, what's the most uh, interesting or surprising thing that you've, you've, you've learned from the city's data sets or the way it's using data? I'm really, this is um, really timely because just last night, um, our folks from our housing team, I was unable to be there, but folks from our housing team um, accepted an award um, from the Montgomery, um, not Montgomery, Maryland Association of Counties, um, uh, an innovation award for our work um, with a group called Data Science for Social Good at Carnegie Mellon University where we use our aerial imagery. So every year the city gets, and we've done this for, you know, 20 years probably, um, you know, we get flyover imagery of the city um, and it's fairly high resolution. And so we partnered with this group at Carnegie Mellon to um, use AI to detect buildings that have uh, collapsed roofs or rooftop damage. This was especially important for us coming out of, you know, last January where we had three firefighters killed. Um, doing a rooftop study like this was on, it's actually in the 30 day memo um, that came out of that, um, you know, kind of the aftermath of that. Um, but historically, and they've only, they had only, I think they've only been able to do it once or twice in the past. You would have someone, you know, at DHCD in the past, I think they had youth workers go through and manually look at all of our vacant buildings to try and like estimate how much of the um, rooftop might be missing or damaged. Um, now we've got an AI tool that will help us, you know, that basically automates that, that will detect it for us. And so every year as we get new new, uh, new imagery, we'll be able to re rerun the AI model and detect any, you know, buildings that have cropped up that have new issues. Um, I think that's um, one of the, and, and not only that, but it'll help the housing department prioritize demolitions. Um, in fact, uh, the housing team just this morning let me know that they had found, as, as part of the, that work, found a building yesterday morning. Um, you know, they were looking at some of the data, found um, a potentially hazardous building, end of row, um, and by la yesterday evening had torn it down. Um, so a clear, clear emergency clear emergency demolition that we wouldn't have done um, without going through this work. And then also we'll be integrating it with a CAD, computer-aided dispatch, so that when first responders get on the scene of a, of a, you know, a vacant building, that they, they'll have a flag as to whether we think there might be rooftop damage or not. So um, it's, to me, it's, it's a cutting edge application of 
AI in city services that will drive our operations. I think that's kind of that that's kind of like the the gold standard for us now. I think I'm, I'm, I mean I'm going to be using that example um, day in and day out to 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 say how we to show how we get to the next level with data in the city. Definitely pretty impressive that they can find a building and have it torn down in the span of a day. We got to wrap up soon, but um, in addition to uh, you know bringing Shelby on next. Uh, next week, is there any any what what's what what are the big projects are, are coming up for you? I think we'll be able to say more pretty soon around AI ethics. Um, we're, we've been having a lot of internal discussion about you know we had a facial recognition ban that yeah. Council Member um, uh, Burnett um, introduced and sponsored about a year and a half ago that expired at the end of last year, and so. We've, we've spoken with the mayor and had a lot of internal discussions about not just facial recognition, but AI more broadly. How do we want the city to use AI? Where do we absolutely not want to use AI? Um, and so I think we'll be able to say more later, you know, within a couple of months, I think, about what we want to do and what we intend to do. Um, but I think there's, there's more to come on that front, to be sure. Justin Elzaz, Chief Data Officer for the City of Baltimore. You can read more about him and Baltimore's digital services efforts at statehoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. Next week, San Jose Deputy City Manager Rob Lloyd joins to talk about his latest projects and priorities. You can subscribe to the show at PrioritiesPodcast.com. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher and James Mahoney helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.